recording for 17 minutes. So we... <laughs> four, three, two, one. Welcome to the TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast, where several hosts talk about what they find interesting in tech this week. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh53. This week, we have all four regular hosts. Woo-hoo. I'm Randy Cassingham, founder of ThisIsTrue.com, the oldest entertainment feature on the internet, and the internet spam primer, helping you get your inbox back. I'm Kevin Savitz, creator of FreePrintable.net, home of 47,827 printable documents and templates. That's a lot. It is. I'm Leo Notenboom, the Leo in AskLeo.com, where I talk about tech, rant about tech issues, and occasionally even answer questions. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig, the host and producer of MacMost.com, where I post about Mac, iPhone, and iPad things, and also WPTipsAndHacks.com, where I post about WordPress stuff, and I make mobile games, and you can find those at CleverMedia.com. So, what have we been up to? Well, I did something really low-tech. I... uh Made an order on Amazon. <laughs> You're on the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I made an order on Amazon and told my wife that uh, she just bought me a, a New Year's present. I got a mechanical po- pocket watch. It's wind up. It doesn't have any batteries. And it goes tick, 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 tick. And I love it. Is it a smart pocket watch? No, it's yeah. a very dumb one. Is it, so, an, old, is it an old pocket watch? Uh, no. Um, you know, because... I think probably really good old ones probably cost a lot. This one was like twenty five bucks. Your wife would have gotten you a. <laughs> but I, I just, wanted a sweep second hand because mm-hmm. you know if it's sweep is my, that not I've got tick, my tick, phone. Tick. I mean yeah. the that's the the modern pocket watch is everybody's phone right? Sure. Pull their phone out to see what time it is. Well, it doesn't have second hand, and you know I actually have a thing on my wrist, but it's a step counter and to get it into time mode pushes a bunch of buttons, and then it doesn't count the seconds anyway. So, you know, I thought, I'm a medic. I should be able to have a second hand that I can, you know, check somebody's pulse fairly accurately, not have to use the, you know, the little device you stick on their finger to, just to get their pulse. And I thought, you know, I've got this watch pocket. Why not put something in it? So, you, but you've got your smartphone, right? I do. I mean, not to not to dredge up an uh, old. I could old, unlock it and run an app that has. There's an app for that. I'm sure there's an app. For, there's probably yes. three or four dozen apps for that. There's probably three watch. or four hundred apps. For that. <laughs> this is Android, after all. Well, you know, uh, I I think Kevin, I think you recommended months ago a book about building uh, the first nautical clocks. Yes, Longitude is the yes. name of the book. Yes. I read that book. Mm-hmm. And I was so inspired by not understanding what they were talking about when it came to <laughs> clocks and gears yeah. that I, for the holidays, I had wished for and got a uh, a clock making kit, wooden gears, mm-hmm. parts, mm-hmm. and I built it just so I can understand a little bit about how all those gears and the pendulum and everything works. So I also got a mechanical clock of sorts. and. Awesome. Uh, in addition to that, we were, you know, earlier this year went to Europe and we had the idea to get an authentic cuckoo clock while we were over there, but thought better of the whole idea of buying it there and trying to drag it back. So I ordered and got for the holidays for my wife an authentic uh, Black Forest German cuckoo clock, which she From Amazon? Up. No, no. Went, <laughs> went through an importer to actually get uh, okay. it. Okay. And, 
And then, yeah, so we have that as a mechanical clock uh, going on and, you know, cuckooing every half hour, too. Well, that'll be so, fun when we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Well, fortunately, it's, it's a couple floors away. Um, well, but, after yeah. the electronic, uh, mechanical, electric, mechanical pulse of World War III, Gary, you and I will still be able to know what time it is. Exactly. And we could, plus, I think, I, I feel maybe we should change this podcast at this point to like mechanical uh, clock enthusiast hour. No? <laughs> um, that'll be a different channel. <laughs> we'll do that. Is it? That'll be a, a, an offshoot. Okay. Well, Randy, you're a medic and you have a pocket watch. So this gives you an excellent opening to use one of Groucho Marx's best lines ever. Where you you know you can uh, be helping guy and you can say either he's dead or my watch is stopped. There you go. <laughs> Love it. Just keep that in your back pocket, like, uh, like, like your watch. Yeah, I'll keep it in the same pocket with my watch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you've got a note here about having complained to your ISP. What's that all about? You made well, it you sound guys like keep it's part of watch. That um, I I fritz out when I'm talking sometimes. Right, which you you did just a few seconds ago. Yeah, yeah. So I was okay. saying that sentence. Yeah. So I I actually have the email address of my ISP's founder. He's still the CEO, and so I popped him an email saying, "Could I get service where I'm guaranteed certain bandwidth, and uh, how much would that cost?" And he said, "No, we're not going to do that. We'll just fix what you're paying for." It's like what a concept. So he um, did some tune-ups, and they're coming on Wednesday to give me a new radio because it's a wireless, domestic uh, wireless connection mm-hmm. to um, get better bandwidth. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, it, 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 certainly, it certainly hasn't improved um, this week, but apparently nothing's changed. Um, it's, you know, it's the same. It's, it's good enough, but still the same as what we've experienced in the past. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you sound like next week. I hope it's better. Meanwhile, I've been uh, streaming uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel or whatever that's called. Oh, so yeah. good. Which yeah. is great. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Damn, it's good. Love that show. All right. Who, uh, Kevin, what do you got? Yeah, we've been, uh, we've been watching. Uh, my kid is we're watching the third season of a uh, series of unfortunate events. Mm. Yeah. Which is uh, also on Netflix or is on Netflix as I think Maisel's on Amazon. Um, and we've been in, enjoying that. It's uh the third and final season. It's it's got uh, Neil Patrick Harris in it and uh, some amazing young actors, and we're enjoying that. Um, let's see. My news is uh, I have been uh, I've been uh, working on uh, programming in, in BASIC as I'm, I'm want to do. The, it's almost time for the uh, the the annual ten line BASIC programming contest, and I uh, had some time, so I kind of got an edge, uh, a head start. On, on that, um, and, and I've programmed uh, five little programs for the Atari 8-bit computers uh, in 10 lines of BASIC or less, um, and I'm just having a great time with that, just little focused projects I can do in a couple of days, and uh, uh, I did a version of uh, Conway's Game of Life, and I did a, a, a new game where you kind of run around uh, tunnels and, and try to, uh, you're a robot, and you try to rescue people who are trapped in the tunnels. And uh, today I did a game where you bounce a ball and try to hit a target. Anyway, I'm having fun with that. That's where my, my nerd points have uh, been. So speaking of nerd points, you mentioned, I think, a couple of weeks ago that you were planning on um, picking up Python. Yes. 
I have not done too much with that, um, mostly because I've been programming on Atari Basic. Um, <laughs> but no, I I'm still very interested in that. One of the one of the things I got for for uh, for Hanukkah this year that I really wanted was a plotter. Um, it's called and it's called an Axie Draw. Um, and it is a, a pen plotter that connects to your computer via USB. Now, now plotters are things that have existed, what, since the 50s, um, 60s, for Probably. sure. Um, and it's like a, a printer, except instead of laying out a line of text at a time, it actually like has a, a pen where it can actually and it, draw in an XY sort of way on, on a piece of paper. Um, and so kind of one of the reasons I'm, interested in in getting better at python is so that i can make this plotter do interesting things do interesting drawings and stuff so yeah um so so far i've played with axi draw a little bit and uh i've had fun with it and uh so i'm sure i'll be reporting more on that in the future cool so i have to go slightly off script here just because the plotter reminded me of a wonderful story many years ago when i was uh, still an undergraduate at the uw i was as it turned out a teaching assistant even though you're not supposed to be as an undergrad for a class in the double e course and one of the projects that students were able to choose was to get a plotter and then have it um, basically draw a maze and then navigate a little mouse through the maze. Mm-hmm. I had one student who who just nailed that. Um, he he did a wonderful job with it. He you know draw the mouse and then uh, to turn the ma- to, to to turn the little image of the mouse. He would turn it and and draw it again in place and then draw it the next step and draw it the next step and basically make his way, make his way through the through the uh, uh, through the maze. What, the reason it's at all notable is several years later when I showed up at Microsoft, he was already there and was actually responsible for the device drivers for the then brand new Microsoft mouse. Hmm. And he is in fact the individual who coined the unit of measurement now known as a Mickey, which is one (laughs) unit of mouse movement. Nice. <laughs> I love that. There's your trivia for the day. Nice. If you, if you are at all even a tiny bit interested in plotters, um, go to Twitter um, and search for the hashtag plotter Twitter, and you will be astounded at the variety and, uh, uh, and types of, of art that people manage to create with, with plotters. Very cool. Um, it's it's, I just love looking at it and that's what kind of inspired me to, to get this, this gadget. So the thing I like about this plotter, um, maybe most do, but it, it, you can use a regular pen. So if you have a favorite pen and a favorite color or a pencil or whatever, it'll hold pretty much anything. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So, you know, some people use them with, with, uh, you know, very fancy, uh, calligraphy pens or, you know, uh, whatever. So, when I was still at JPL, we had plotters, and uh, one year I used a multi-pen for a multicolored plotter mm-hmm. to, quote, hand-draw, unquote, my Christmas cards. And it was nice. expensive buying those pens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this I don't feel guilty screwing things up because it uses regular copier paper. You know, I mean, you can use anything, but, you know, and, and, and uh, just pens. Yeah. yeah, and big pens. It seems to like uh, felt it. You know better, but that's about rollerballs yeah. or whatever. That makes sense. Uh, I, yeah, 
And as long as we're just talking about pens and just totally off, off script, I have recently discovered, I read an article online where they reviewed, they, they tested, uh, I'll try to find the article. I don't remember where it was right now. They tested a hundred different pens and rated them from best to worst. Oh, I want that link. I'll, I'll find it. Um, I've seen that article too, but it's been a little while. Yeah. I'll try to find it again. Um, uh, and I, I started a course at the best and, and kind of worked backwards for the kind of pen I knew I wanted. And I have discovered the uh, Prismacolor pens. Um, mm. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a the Prismacolor Fine Line Marker 05. And the, it, I, I just love it. It's like my new favorite pen. I just want to throw yeah. away every other pen in the house and, and just fill it with, uh, with these as they come in. I've got one of those. Yeah. 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 I've got about six now because I just bought a pack, you know, in every different color and, uh, and uh, love them. I've been using zebra pens, but you have to make sure you get the ones that were made in Japan rather than <laughs> China. <laughs> huh. Interesting. What, what, what's wrong with the China ones? They're just not well They're made? They're not as good. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. I, I mean, it used to be that when you got a pen, it wrote. Yeah. But the crappy pens now, you know, you, you put them in the, in your pocket for a couple of days and take them out and you got to scratch them around the pad for a while to get them to start rolling again. Sure. All right. My pen I'm in love with is uh, the Prismacolor Premier Illustration Marker Set. So I will put that in the... uh, All right. I'm looking forward to that. And they're not... Yeah, they're not... The best... It was like 12 bucks for, you know, eight pens or something like that. The the best pen... All right. I'm sorry. The best pen in the article was like... (laughs) I love, I, the pens are exciting. Let's have a pen So, Leo, we all did really cool things. What did you do this last week? The, the pen enthusiast hour? Is that what this is turning <laughs> into? <laughs> we, oh, well, no, pens. we'll call it pen testing. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that, that definitely means it's time to move on. So, for my part, um, I've been chomping at the bit uh, for the last few weeks. I'm planning on replacing... Actually, three of my computers. I've got a series of articles that are going to come up in the coming weeks on Ask Leo, basically documenting the process, what I've got, what I need, you know, what I'm going to choose, and so forth. But of course, those are articles that are being written as the hardware is, in fact, already arriving. Uh, the the replacement computer actually is supposed to show up tomorrow, even though Dell told me it wouldn't be here until the 21st. The monitor for that uh, that I ordered uh, was going to arrive on January the 31st, and it showed up last Saturday. Let's see, two days ago. No, three days ago. It was on Friday, uh, which is amazing. So great hardware, horrible shipping estimates, but at least they're horrible in the correct direction. Um, what I have now is their 38-inch 4K curved monitor. Um, wow. It's it's. Awesome. It just really is. Um, and this is, you know, kind of a sneak peek for, for the folks who are listening to the podcast who are also Ask Leo subscribers. You'll actually see that, gosh, in about three or four weeks when that actually publishes. But the, uh, um, it's just amazing. It's, it's, what is it, 3440 by, by 2160 or something like that um, in, in terms of pixel resolution. But in, just in terms of uh, 38 inches is a lot of monitor. Um, even at the HD uh, 16 by 9. And it wraps around your face. It's it's curved. It definitely is curved. And I, you know, given how wide it is, I actually appreciate that. That really works well. So any cool 4K movies you've played on it yet? Not yet. I don't have any 4K <laughs> movies. But I did, I think I mentioned to you, Randy, uh, one of the first things I did was fire up um, uh, my copy of 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, which I only, only have in Blu-ray, which means it's HD. But of course, it's not 4K. Um, and I think they are 
they are releasing a 4K version of that, if I'm not mistaken. So I may have to pick I that hope up. so. Yeah. What's neat about 2001 is that it was originally created for the Cinerama format. Which is uh, really wide, yeah. Which is incredibly wide. It's, it's even wider than, than my screen. But I remember seeing it at a Cinerama theater here in Seattle where there's this shot of the spacecraft. It's the Discovery, if I'm not mistaken. And it comes in from the left and it goes off forever, you know, right, rightward around this wonderful curved screen. And now I have that on my desk. It's just, it's, it's very cool. And I was very surprised to see that it just plugged right in and worked great with my Mac. And as a side, as a side note, uh, World of Warcraft actually also looks pretty good. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Cool. Gary, you said you, you've got a new monitor too? Yeah, well, I did an upgrade. I've got, so I rock with my Mac a three monitor thing. I've got two verticals in the side and I had a, an old, like improbably old 30-inch screen in the middle. Uh, which is it's one of those things that was annoying in that it, it was one of those Dell 30 inches from, from almost 15 years ago that just worked and kept working and was flawless and was annoying because, of course, it was getting old in terms of like, you know, I mean, Max, all Macs have retina displays and everything now. And here I am with the old, you know, non-retina display. And with my eyes getting older and all of that, I really like how the retina display looks on my MacBook. I wanted it for my Mac. So, and another factor was heat. The thing gives off a lot of heat. So uh, during the summer, it actually heats up my office quite a bit. So I decided to finally, you know, when I saw some of the LG monitors, uh, the 4K ones going, uh, I saw one that already was cheap for what it provided. And then I saw there was a deal at a store for 250 bucks for this monitor. I was like, oh, come on, I got to get it now. So I got it and um, it's 27 inch 4K, so not 38-inch curved. Uh, I went the other way. I actually was looking at some 32 and 34-inch screens, and then I decided, I since I have the screens on the side, I don't want something bigger. I want something that has a lot of pixels, but it's a little bit smaller because I'm actually moving my head quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, to go across the three screens. And I got it, and you know, it's so pretty. You know, the images on it are so pretty compared to what I used to have, um, and. The problem is that my two side screens, they're um, 1080 screens that I have set vertically that are 23 inches, and they look like crap, <laughs> even though they're nice and new and bright. You know, the images and things look so nice on the center monitor now. It's amazing, though, the prices. I mean, you know, $250 for a 27-inch 4K, right. high, really high-quality screen. I mean, it is, you know, there there are some ones out there that are cheap. This is not one of those. This is pretty high quality. And I think probably, I don't even know what these screens would cost on the sides. And I probably like 150 bucks a piece. I mean, I think that 30 inch screen I bought was like 1500 bucks when I originally got it. Right. And I think the screen before that I spent a couple grand on. Um, so it's amazing what you can get now and plug into your machine and then have this, you know, these beautiful, uh, I'm running the, the 4k basically at the virtual resolution of like 1080. So I'm pixel doubled. Mm-hmm. for the retina display so all the text looks so crisp and the images look just fantastic um and it, work, it works really great can't believe i took this long and it puts off no heat i mean this screen is it's just it feels like it's off if i touch the back there's nothing coming out of it so i'm excited for that and i was uh, i put on the list also uh, another um a link to, you know, Samsung has some new monitors they announced 
for uh, CES going on right now, um, and one of them was a clamp on the desk model. So this is an interesting trend I'm seeing where instead of a monitor having a stand where it actually has to sit on your desk, it could so easily be clamped onto the side of a desk or mounted on the wall behind the desk. Um, and I think this is a trend that's going to keep happening because in addition to to this monitor, I also got a 20, God, is it a 27 or 23-inch TV for a small bedroom in our house that didn't have a TV before. And I got the screen, and the first thing that struck me was it was so light that the idea of mounting it on the wall, like actually using like hardware that you would mount a te television, um, seems ridiculous now because we actually have framed pictures that are hanging on nails that are heavier <laughs> than this TV. You know, I mean, it used to be you bought, and I have one in my living room, you bought a TV, you actually really need to mount the thing carefully because it's heavy. You know, and you want to make sure you have the proper brackets and all this stuff. But now that TVs are actually lighter than, so you know, a picture with glass and a frame, um, and the same thing with computer monitors. This 27-inch monitor is pretty light. Um, it, it's really, I think, it's changing. It's going to change things. You can hang them on on walls. You can, you know, mount them on the uh, with a clamp to your desk rather than having an actual stand. Uh, so. Some interesting stuff, I think, with the... It's funny. One of the things I splurged on for my monitor was, in fact, a monitor arm. So mine is, in fact, it, it comes with a standard, you mm -hmm. know, uh, put it on the desk kind of thing. But I went ahead and got a clamp stand for it. And you're right. It is amazing how light this monitor is compared to, well, the... Um, um, uh, the Apple monitor that I was that was also generating a lot of heat on my desk um, that I uh, was replacing it with, and uh, yeah, throwing it onto a onto a uh, onto a monitor arm, just not a problem. It just works, and it just becomes so very flexible. And to be honest, a lot easier to connect things up to because if you need to, uh, like, change one of the annoying plugs that they hide underneath in the back that you can never see because you've got it against the wall. Mm -hmm. Now I can just pull it forward and turn it slightly, you know, sideways and be able to see what, exactly what I need. Yeah, and the connections too. Uh, one of the disappointing things getting rid of that thirty-inch monitor is there's nothing else I could do with that screen. It uses a dual DVI connection. <laughs> there, there's nothing that connects to it, and these these three screens on my desk now all use HDMI, which means if it, right. I ever want to replace them. I could actually use any one of those as a television set with a set-top box. Matter of fact, the new one, the 27-inch, not only has HDMI, but it has audio out. So I could plug a set-top box, whether it's for cable or DirecTV or uh, even like a Roku or Apple TV box, into the TV, and then I could plug in some speakers into right. the audio out. So all, you know, and I could kind of, do something like that with the other older screens, but they're HDMI, which means that they could have lives beyond, you know, when they're they become too old. Maybe I do want to put Retina displays on the left and the right. I can actually use the two side screens for television. Was something I couldn't do with any screen I've had in the past. They've always been so specialized in their connectors. Right, right, and all that for a few hundred bucks. In your case, it's great. I know. Yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, it's fantastic. So it's nice that monitor cables have finally gotten standardized <laughs> everyone decided oh hdmi is really good let's just do that yeah, yeah it's funny awesome. mine has actually two hdmi inputs and if i understand it correctly um i can actually do a picture in picture 
Yeah, I think I think mine too. Yeah. Yeah. So you could do multiple computers into a single monitor, which is the you know it's very very useful at times, but it's pretty amazing to think of. Okay, the monitor's big enough now that it could actually handle two the output of two machines. Nice. Cool. Well, I need a new monitor and maybe a new computer. Yeah, well, you know, keep keep stay tuned to uh, to my sequence of articles because uh, I definitely have come to uh, to a conclusion. Like I said, the machine's showing up tomorrow, and uh, and so far, um, I'm pretty happy with the decisions I've made, especially the monitor. That was, I'll admit, the monitor was not necessarily something that I could completely justify as work related. It was a bit of a splurge to go that way, but uh, but I'm pretty pleased I did it. So, I had I had one of those bit of a splurges that totally worked out um a little over a year ago in de- december of 2017 i bought a uh, an imac pro which my older I- imac was still pretty okay and but just for tax reasons and because i wanted it frankly and uh, <laughs> so so i've been using this imac pro for a year now and i love it and it's fast and it's wonderful and gave my daughter my old imac and she'd been using it to play Roblox and stuff. And uh, it, after uh, she had it for four or five months, it, it died. It died hard. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I feel like I've told the story. I don't know. Anyway, I took it to a place. Yeah, and they, they said uh, it, it, they, it could be fixed, but it wasn't worth fixing. So I, I got rid of it, and, and she has a new computer, a different computer now. But anyway, I feel totally justified in, in upgrading to this, this iPad Pro. Good, Absolutely, good yeah. So, so, so speaking of uh, TV stuff, um, had have any of you guys watched Bandersnatch? Do, do is you it the Black Mirror thing? The Black Mirror thing? No, no, I ah. have not. My Twitter has been blowing up about it because my Twitter has a lot of adventure game things. Yeah, and I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine it's, it. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I jumped right on it course as i do things like that and uh it was great i mean unfortunately it doesn't play on apple tvs for some reason but uh my um my one of my tvs was at a built-in netflix for the samsung operating system and it worked just fine on there so uh basically what it is is it's a netflix movie it's actually an episode of a special episode of black mirror tv series which is kind of like a modern twilight zone thing for those that don't know um but it is a choose your own adventure style thing. So since you're watching it through a Netflix app, you know, you've got your remote control and you get to points in the show where you're given choices at the bottom of the screen and you use your remote control to pick which choice you want. Like the first one you get is what cereal you're going to eat at breakfast and it will show two choices and you position your, you know, the cursor kind of under which one you want. And then at the end of a little timer at the bottom it continues on flawlessly taking your suggestion right and um and you pick your own path through this show and it's fascinating because uh first you know it's neat because it's interactive um and it's showing off that you know netflix doesn't have to be linear right it can it's using an app it can they could load it up with all sorts of video and you could uh basically uh, you know, control which section of the video goes to next. But then it goes further than that because, uh, you know, without going too too much detail, the the episode of Black Mirror is about a guy in 1984 creating a choose-your-own-adventure computer game, very much like the ones you played, Kevin. Um, 
and he is doing it based on a choose your own adventure book that somebody wrote. So it's like, uh, you know, already some levels deep and you're playing a, you know, a, a, a TV show with choices about a computer game with choices. That's about a book with choices. And uh, then all sorts of um, interesting things happen is as you make those choices and the character starts to suspect that he's being controlled by somebody. So it's, and then it, and then there's so many different endings and there's people of course that have picked it apart and tried to, you know, figure out all the different paths you can take through. Um, You do get to play a lot of uh, paths through it uh, because sometimes you'll get to an ending point and then it'll go back to an earlier point, um, you know, explaining the story. So you get to play a couple of loops through while you watch it. Um, and, and then you could start again once you finally finished and then choose different ones. Have you done and it multiple times? I've done it multiple times. Um, and I've seen, I think I've seen all the major endings. After a while, I started using one of the charts somebody came up with online <laughs> so I could find the, the rare endings that I would probably never find on my own because I don't have enough time. Um, it's interesting. And there's also, it's interesting because the technology goes beyond what the, the old books or even the, the adventure games did because... Well, maybe not so much the adventure games because it does keep track of some things like some decisions you make earlier and it will affect later on. So it's not like in a book where you branch off and it's only one state you're in and it doesn't know like what the choice you made three times ago. It, it will remember things like a choice in music that you made a so while ago. And then the cereal makes a reappearance. Yeah. Serial, uh, the you choose music twice during uh, during it, and that will reflect some things. You make other choices that then change what you see when you get to other points in the game. Um, there's a lot of humor in it, very dark, dark humor. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's very satisfying because you don't, you're not just stuck with one ending that you chose. You know, you, it'll loop back a little bit. It, I think it plays as a timer too. I think it'll either the endings have a way to loop back, like you get to an ending and then it, you know. I don't, I don't know, just for, as an example, you might wake up from a dream and, oh, you're in an earlier part of the story. And it'll do that if you haven't watched enough. Like if you haven't gotten to about an hour, an hour and a half, it'll take you back and allow you to enjoy more. But um, but then eventually you do have to restart in order to explore other paths. It's really interesting. People online just love going into, you know, you can read those like Reddit pages that just go on forever about people trying all sorts of different odd things and finding all sorts of different odd results. And then people speculating that there's no reason Netflix couldn't change it now. Like, you know, maybe it's not finished. Maybe if we try next month, there'll be new endings. I don't know. But it's an interesting technology that Netflix could use uh, on future things as well. Of course, Black Mirror is going to take it to some sort of weird thing where the, you know, the character starts to suspect that you're controlling him. Um, But, they could be used in other ways that are less kind of sinister, you know, where you're just maybe choosing whether you want there to be a happy ending to the story or, or not happy ending or something. It's funny because I think I don't, you slipped and you called it a game at one point. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's and, people calling and, it a game. Definitely. Yeah. And I, you know, Netflix is not where you go for gaming. You go to there to watch. Uh, shows. Well, maybe, you and know, this is, but it, you're right. I mean, it's, it's bridging the gap. It's, it's kind of morphing one into the other. It's weird because some of the way you're describing it make me think of mist. Remember yes. mist? 
where it's yeah, all basically, sure. you know, explore and discover on your own kind of stuff. Is there a default path? In other words, if you don't make yes. a choice, does it make choices for you? Yes, because what happens is it gets the choice appears at the bottom of the screen and you've got like 20 or 30 seconds and it's chosen the one on the left, right? And you can move it to the one on the right and back and forth. And when the time runs out, it advances. So if you just don't touch the remote, you'll always make the choice of the whatever the default is for that one. So you can just sit and watch it and go all the way through. I'm not certain if it's the same though. Like if it, you know, it just you, randomly picks one. They could you. randomize it. Yep. yep. It could. I, I'm not sure. I haven't seen anybody talk about that, and I haven't tried it myself. It's too tempting to make the choices um, <laughs> and to to see what happens. And and the the interesting thing is, of course, is that uh, as people point out, Netflix it collects data. Right? They know, like for instance, if you watch a movie and you quit 30 minutes into it. You know, they record that and they could say, oh, people seem to be quitting this movie about 30 minutes into it. So they know that in this, what choices people are making, it's probably not very valid data since people are playing it obsessively, trying to choose things they haven't chosen before. (laughs) But, you know, they could still get some good data on like which choices people seem to like better. And uh, you think about it, there's an advertising opportunity. Which cereal did they choose? Well, and they, and they used real cereals and they used real meat. You know, they didn't shy away from uh, putting stuff like that in there. Um, Matter of fact, uh, as you know, you could see in several headlines, the product Netflix makes an appearance (laughs) in the, this night, this game based in 1984, which is did you choose Netflix or Amazon Prime? I, I, well, it's it's kind of interesting, but uh, yeah. So people talk about the the appearance of Netflix inside this Netflix thing. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely worth uh, worth trying and checking out. One of the more interesting things I've seen on uh, TV this you know this year or last year actually since I tried it last year. Very cool. Yep. So, Randy, there's been a bunch of stuff going on, well, off-world. There has. Um, the two biggest things is New Horizons, that's the spacecraft that went by Pluto in 2015, went by a Kuiper Belt object called Ultima Thule. And it's just a, a little snowman in space. It's something like 20 or 30 miles tall, so really tiny and then very bright considering how far out they are. It's 4 billion miles away. And it went zooming by because they can't slow that spacecraft down anymore. It's, it's uh, going very fast and took a whole bunch of pictures and other measurements as it zoomed by. And that's going to take 20 months to download it all uh, because not only does it have kind of a small antenna and a really, I mean, the, the transmitter on that spacecraft is 10 watts. So very low data rate and they're very far away. So it's going to take more than a year just to get all those pictures back. Wow. Wow. You thought you you had bad bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How did you pronounce the name? Thule. It's interesting because I look at it. That's my understanding. I think Thule and I immediately think it's some kind of Indiana Jones villain or something like that, you know? Hmm. Yeah. That's what it sounds like, what it reminds me of anyway. So anyway, yeah, I saw some of the pictures that they sent back, or, you know, that they've, they've posted already. And it does look really interesting. Like you said, a little snowman. It looks like somebody. I read a, uh, a headline, at least, that said they, uh, uh, the theory was that it might have been two small moons that had collided and stuck. 
Yeah, they think there was two separate cylindrical objects. One of them is a little bit bigger than the other, and they just very gently came came together because you know they're small. They they don't have much gravity, but they do have gravity. Right. So that's what's holding them together, which I think is really neat just in itself. Yep. And the other big space thing was China's, and I think I'm saying this right, Chang'e 4, which landed on the far side of the moon. And I I really roll my eyes over the headlines that say it landed on the dark side of the moon. There's no such thing. That's an album by Pink Floyd. Yeah. (laughs) They they didn't land on Pink Floyd, I I swear. Um, and, but even the Chinese were a little unclear in the concept because you know the whole point is to land it on the far side of the moon, moon because the, the moon is tidally locked so that the same face is pointing toward Earth all the time. And they've never landed anything, they, meaning humans, uh, ever before. And so they did something pretty neat by <laughs> landing it on They the are side. humans. <laughs> what are you? And the Chinese central television showed a an animation of of it landing and uh, you know unfolding its solar panels and all that kind of stuff. And in the background, you can see Earth. It's like slap oh. my forehead. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing you will not see. Exactly. That that which, which is yeah. neat because if you get on the far side of the moon, yeah. you can you can uh, do some space astronomy and radio astronomy that you can't do from earth because earth is really noisy yeah i mean eventually we will probably put a telescope there right i mean it would be very cool yeah that's going to happen at some point um yeah and it was super cool stuff i mean they had to put because there's no way to communicate directly with it because it's always blocked by the entire moon from us they have to have they've been orbiter they've had orbiting for a while now yeah, they, they launched around. that first to make sure that all worked before they sent the, right. the spacecraft up. And the thing's got a, it, you know, there's a lander and then there's the rover that is already deployed and can move around. Um, and both of them are independent. You can talk to them independently yeah. and they can do um, science independently. And it, and it also made a soft touchdown, which was rare, right? Because a lot of times now we just bounce things. Um, but, you know, they... So yeah, it's great. Uh, one of the the things I I thought was interesting or a little maybe disappointing was when you search for news on this, like I just searched today to find out what was new, most of the articles you come up with are um political about mm. what will the US do now? What does this mean for the future of the space rate? You know, I'm looking for like I want pictures and technical data. <laughs> you right. know, like, I I want geek stuff. And I don't, you know, China, U.S., Europe, whatever. I'm, you know, it's like humans going to the far side of the moon. That's what I'm interested in. But yeah, all the articles were like, what will the United States, what will NASA do now to answer back? Like, you know, well, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's cool, cool stuff. Also, the, uh, you know, they, they've got, I guess they landed just after sunrise. And of course, the moon takes 29 point whatever days to go through its day, which is, you know, we see here on earth. Um, so I guess it goes through 14 days of, uh, sunlight, which it's starting now. And then the solar power will go away, uh, as it goes through 14 days of night. That's true on any side of the moon that of course right. lander goes on. So that's kind of interesting. 
Uh, I mean, it's just interesting to have something like that going on. Um, we'll get data back all the time from and uh, and those pictures look great. Did you? I mean, nice, very look like very high definition images. Of course, um, we're used to looking at older <laughs> pictures from the surface of the moon. Um, right. It's nice to have this uh, these high definition ones. So. Cool. Good stuff. I wonder who China had made those high definition cameras. I wonder what they, they probably, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. And of course, then the far side of the moon is also conspiracy, conspiracy theorist's favorite, you know, to be like, well, we don't know what's over there, right? What could be hiding on the far side of the moon? Well, now we know we have cameras on the far side of the moon. We know that um, we know what's there. It, we are there. That's who's there now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and we've seen the far side of the moon. The Apollo yeah. missions had to loop around the back of the moon, and they actually put flares on the Apollo spacecraft so they could make some light and see the back side of the moon because, of course, the the facing side of the moon, they wanted to land when it was light, so the back side was dark. Oh, that probably just added to the whole confusion over dark side yes. versus far side. Absolutely. As well as Pink Floyd. <laughs> Adding to that <laughs> confusion. So that's so cool. And and I think uh what SpaceX is going is well SpaceX is supposed to be putting uh on a rocket their manned capsule, but without people on it this month. Right. They but, they pretty much have to launch it um, unmanned first to, right. to certify it. Uh, but it's getting ready to take astronauts up to the space station. And then the U.S. will again have the capability of sending our own astronauts up without having to buy it from Russia. Right. But unfortunately, the partial government shutdown is delaying it. Probably. Yeah. The uh, SpaceX said that there's enough people, both with SpaceX, uh, you know, uh, not having the NASA business right now and on the NASA side, that they probably won't be able to get it off on schedule because of this this partial government shutdown. So there's another thing that it's affecting. So that's interesting. Uh, for some reason, it didn't occur to me that it would affect things like this, but of course, of course it will. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Oh, and we did have, uh, did we talk about, we didn't talk about last time, Virgin, uh, uh, you know, sent up Galactic. a, Virgin yeah, yeah, Virgin Galactic sent up a, a uh, another test flight which they hadn't in a while so lots of this is could be an exciting year for space i hope so i think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, i just love that we've got private competition to the you know very expensive government funded uh stuff that uh you know lockheed and and uh, boeing was doing just you know cost plus contracts that really cost a lot and SpaceX has really shook things up. Yep. Competition is a good thing. It is. Yep. So Gary, you were mentioning earlier that you couldn't get Apple TV to work on your, no, you couldn't get Netflix to work on your Apple TV. Well, Netflix works. It's just this Bandersnatch special ah, okay, program okay. for some now, reason. Apple TV. Work. Apple TV is showing up in other places. Yeah, so it was an announcement uh, today, Monday, that um, that Apple is changing something very fundamental about its business. Uh, they are going to be offering uh, a, a, what appears to be an iTunes app 
that will appear on smart TVs. And uh, there was a string of announcements, one from Samsung, another from LG, and another from Vizio, all of whom produce smart TVs, that there'll be an iTunes app coming soon. It'll uh, appear on some of the existing TVs. So some of the 2018 TVs will get an update, and suddenly this iTunes app will appear. And, um, and then future ones will have it, meaning that if you are in the Apple ecosystem and say you have uh, music on iTunes, or you've purchased movies, or you prefer to rent movies through Apple, um, you'll soon be able to do that without an Apple TV on your smart TV. So, go, you know, the Samsung, instead of going to the Netflix app on Sam, your Samsung TV, go to the iTunes app. I think it's called iTunes because that's what they show in the screenshot. Uh, they just have a little purple thing and it says iTunes on it. So it's unclear what this means, like, for the really big picture because Apple's got a streaming TV network coming out later this year with all these shows that are announced. And will this mean those shows are going to be available in that app, even if you don't own an Apple product? Because it has been assumed that the idea was that you buy an Apple TV and now you get all this Apple programming. But if you don't own an Apple TV, you can't get it. So that's your incentive to buy Apple's products. But now with this, maybe it means that Apple's actually going to have a, a streaming service that costs money, which they already do in Apple Music. So perhaps it's part of that. It, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, but up until now, there was no hint from Apple that you'd be able to watch their stuff anywhere but through an Apple product. So that's a... And I, I think it's kind of interesting that their first partner in this is Samsung, and Samsung yeah. and Apple have been, you know, at tooth and nail fighting each other for years, yeah. suing each other over the technology that was supposedly, you know, patents and all that. So I think it's kind of neat that they're, you know, playing nice now and it's going to pave the way for other companies to work with them. Yeah, but Apple's been buying uh, LCD screens from um, Samsung this whole time. <laughs> you yeah. know? So, I mean, they've already, you know, one department's already plays nice with Samsung while another department sues Samsung. So it's not a big surprise. And if it's just a matter of basically Apple providing a, you know, apps across these uh, devices. Like I think Vizio, the one Vizio TV that we have in the house is actually, I think, running a version of Chromecast. You know, they call it like Vizio something. But if you start to notice, they use Chromecast a lot. And it works with this Chromecast feature and that Chromecast feature. So I think it's a Chromecast thing. And then Samsung is their own thing. And then I have another TV that's a Roku, you know, it's the Roku uh, operating system going on it. So I think Apple is just basically saying, look, we're going to have apps just like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and everything does. Um, and you're going to be able to watch our stuff, you know, on whatever smart device you've got. Uh, you know, to me, that just says Apple's going to roll their new TV stuff into Apple Music. It'll probably be called Apple Prime or Apple Streaming or something. <laughs> you know, they'll come up with some name. And, yeah, not uh, Prime. Yeah, and then uh, they'll have, um, you know, a... Uh, uh, $10 or $15 a month subscription, just like Netflix has and Amazon has. And Except it's going to be $25. Good. It, it's another. interesting because I, I suspect that they're also looking for ways to expand their audience. 
Um, this is one of those ways. The first thing that comes to mind for me, of course, is that everybody that's got these TVs that wants to subscribe, even if they don't have an Apple product, they're now going to have to sign up for an Apple ID. And um, it's another opportunity for Apple to reach a bunch more people that they perhaps haven't reached in the past. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's big. You know, it, it, I was commenting over the holidays to to relatives that, you know, it wasn't that long ago, it, the three big networks were uh, NBC, CBS, and ABC. Right. Now it seems to be Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime Video. Right. And if you look at the award ceremonies, like watching the Golden Globes. Yeah. Right? It was a lot of stuff. One, you know, I, uh, Maisel won some stuff. Uh, uh, Netflix won some big stuff, right? And I'm sure, um, I don't know if, uh, you know, Hulu's hooked into a lot of this uh, too. It's, uh, it, it is amazing. This TV that we got, that I mentioned, we got a, a small TV for one of the bedrooms here, is not hooked up to our satellite provider. It doesn't get like live television. It gets Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu. And you know what? Everybody's happy with that. <laughs> that yeah, you know, that's all it needs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually on the road to cutting the cable um, where my cable happens to be a satellite as well, just because there's it's enough. It's a really long cable. <laughs> it's a really long cable. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, but thank God this, the satellite is in stationary orbit. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Honey, um, it's tangled again. <laughs> um, there are enough things that are streaming exclusive that I've kind of sort of one by one hooked up with another one and then hooked up with another one. And then of course I have an Amazon prime member. So I've got all that stuff already available and I could see myself cutting, cutting my satellite out of the picture at some point. Um, probably of all things after game of Thrones. <laughs> That's my that that might be the point because you don't need you don't need ca uh, cable for that. You just I don't need it, but I do have HBO to pay. Now. I do have to pay, but I have to pay for that, right? And I'm paying or I'm already paying, so it's it's not a reduction in my service cost. It's moving it from one device to another. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we'll see. But it's just it is amazing once you've got a decent internet connection, uh, which of course you guys know I didn't have for many many years. Uh, it's amazing how wide that door opens. It really oh, yeah. is. One thing I noticed in the headlines was that DirecTV and I think Dish are increasing their price to help make up some of the revenue lost to cord cutters. Right. Well, raising their price is just going to push more people out. That's not the way to do it. No. What I yeah. wish they would do, what I, what I really wish they would do is, you know, DirecTV, DirecTV Now and DirecTV are two different things. Uh, if you have DirecTV, you don't have a DirecTV Now subscription. DirecTV Now is their way to try and take their product offerings and put it in as a streaming service. What I really wish is that, okay, great, I'm subscribed to the satellite offering. Why can't you also make that stuff as accessible or even more accessible through an app on the web? And as I read some of their, I'll just say excuses, they actually blame the... Uh, uh, the, the cable channels, the actual providers, they're locked into contracts that prevent them from doing that. And when you think about it, kind of sort of makes sense in the sense that, okay, now all of a sudden DirecTV is competing directly with Hulu and Netflix and whomever else might be offering those same shows or CBS, uh, CBS All Access is the other one. Um, so I, I, I think wish I could get DirecTV stuff other ways, but they just, they, they're, they're kind of hamstrung that way. 
And I think if they're really smart, you would be able to stream onto your existing DVR. Because, you know, sometimes it's really low bandwidth in the prime time TV stuff, which is part of my issue with uh, being on the podcast during prime time is my neighbors are all streaming TV. Right. I would love to be able to just record stuff onto the hard drive and just, you know, download it overnight. I don't care. And I'll watch it tomorrow. Well, you can, I mean, that's how direct TV works. You're talking about the other services? Yeah. I, I, I want it to be able to get streaming services the same way. Right. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It makes total sense. What they're worried about, of course, is piracy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Netflix does have that for some of their mobile apps. You know, that's how I, I watch some Netflix stuff on airplanes all the time now. Right. You download. To your phone, yeah. To your phone or your iPad or Android tablet. Um, And, you know, it has to be something that they contractually can do that. So typically the Netflix produced stuff, you can do that, and then a bunch of other stuff. And then there's some things that you can't because maybe their initial contracts didn't have that as, you know, being allowed. So it's hit or miss. But they do have a section, though. You know, when you go to do that, it says, you want to download some stuff? You know, just see the stuff that you can download. And you could browse through. And potentially in like your situation, Randy, you could use that and say, Oh, I want to watch, you know, the entire season of whatever. Um, and just set it to download before you go to sleep and, uh, you know, let it download overnight. And then you don't have to stream that stuff anymore. You could Chromecast it or something like that to a real TV as well. You don't have to watch it on your device. Yep. True. So, but yeah, it's interesting. The, uh, I, I just had this vision of, um, the Netflix app being location aware, which I suspect it probably is. I mean, granular, you know, GPS location aware and noticing, oh, you're at the airport. Would you like some things to stream or to, you know, to download before your flight? <laughs> My daughter loves to, uh, when we go on a flight, loves to take her, her iPad loaded up with stuff from, from Netflix. Uh, she's learned some, some hard lessons over time, which she's taken to heart about how and when to download things ahead of time. Um, she has several times been well, a couple times been at the airport, you know, 15 minutes before the flight and decides to download some episodes on the airport Wi-Fi, And then she'll try to you know, download 10 episodes at the same time. <laughs> I'm just like, Oh no, no, honey. <laughs> no, no, no. You know? And so I sometimes will try to remind her a day or two before we go, if you're going to download some things, why don't you do it at home? And one or two shows at a time probably will work better than trying to download 10 or 20 episodes at once. When you, when you download like that, do they have expiration dates? I, I don't think, know. I, yes, I, I think if you haven't connected at all in a certain period of time, then they won't play. Like it might be 14 days or 30 days or something like that. And I think because it's been a while, but I think I do get a warning. Like if, So if I download something and then I don't watch it and it's just sitting on my iPad I, and then I go to use Netflix, I think it does say, like, oh, you know, well, no, it wouldn't because then I'm connected. I think it's only if you're not connected for a while, then it gets a little nervous yep. about it. One of the things that frustrates me about um, DirecTV's video on demand, they have a lot of stuff that's available for download. Uh, unfortunately, and this varies dramatically depending on the program you're downloading, uh, sometimes it'll expire in 24 hours. So you need to watch it right away. Um, watch it now or it's going to go away. And then I've also had other things that I've downloaded. It says, yeah, yeah, you know, this will expire in about 12 months. I've never been able to get that to work 
any reliable fashion, the DirecTV oh. download thing. I mean, I haven't tried in probably a year because I just gave up. Yeah. But it has been like, oh, okay, uh, oh, I didn't get to watch this half-hour show. And it's the night before an airplane flight. And I'll set it to download. And then hours later, it still hasn't prepared it or something. And then, it, you know, it's a whole thing. And then by the time I'm leaving the house, it still hasn't transferred it to my iPad or whatever. So I don't well, I'm not talking about on the iPad. I'm talking about like on the direct TV device, just a regular, their DVR. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, I was talking about the thing where you could tra- you get it onto your device and watch it offline. Yeah, I've never, I, my, my experience with that has been pretty sketchy too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey guys, I think we filled up an hour. Yeah. Pretty close. Woo-hoo. We're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you guys want to talk about that you're doing in the next week before we wrap it up? I'm getting to play with my new machine. It's showing up tomorrow. Woohoo. Ooh. I'm going to register our new domain, the mechanical clock enthusiast hour.com. <laughs> <laughs> next week, we'll be talking about the 1890 nautical clocks from the. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh53. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again here next week. And we'll be here next week. We won't take another hiatus like we did last time. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Uh, Bye.